Good morning, WCF. How you doing? Happy Mother's Day. Hey, I'm Pastor Mike. For those of you guys that don't know me, they keep me way back in the back of the church most days, uh, wrangling youth. Youth, hello. You better be blessing your moms today, all right? We already talked about this. I've been gearing up your kids, and I know Christine has too, all week long, trying to bless your mom. So let me know if they don't bless you, all right? I'll take the brunt of it, all right? All right. Hey, why don't we stand? Let's go ahead. I'm going to pray to open our time, and then let's, uh, let's sing some songs to Jesus. Father, we just are grateful for you, thankful, God, for your creation of moms. God, thankful that you uh, loved us enough to give us uh, somebody caring and loving in our life. God, I pray that you would just bless uh, this morning, God, that we would just honor you. Thank you for the women in our lives that, um, that Lord, that do so much. And, Lord, we want to pray that you would be honored this morning, God, that we'd be able to worship you in spirit and in truth this morning. We give you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
the front. It's okay. Nobody bites up here except for Josh. Stay away from him. I'm so bored. I wish I had something to do. (sighs) Thanks for letting me sleep in, kids. If you make a mess in the kitchen, please let me know so I can clean it up. Raising kids is so easy. I just love driving around all day. Oh, I never have to repeat myself. They always listen so carefully. Oh, look. An empty box of cereal. Love it. Just wipe it on your sleeve. It's pretty cold, but you don't need a coat. Oh, you don't have to push in your chair. Don't make your bed. You're just going to sleep in it again later. I think I'll skip the coffee today. You know, these throw pillows look way better on the floor. I'm really not that busy. Well, you haven't showered in three days, but... I think you smell great. We do have food at home, but let's just go out to eat. Just brush your teeth whenever you feel like it. Here, take my phone charger and go put it in your room. Oh, just leave your dirty dishes on the counter. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let's all pull out our phones. Youth sports are so cheap. Braces are so cheap. School fees are so cheap. Hey, can you come crawl in bed with me around 2 a.m.? Thanks. Okay, I just spent two hours making dinner, but if you don't like it, that's fine. Just let me know and I'll make you something else. Don't even bother looking for that. I'm sure it's lost and gone forever. Can somebody please throw something at my head? I mean, I can keep track of every single one of your things. I get a ton of sleep. I get a ton of gratitude from my children. I get a ton of unsolicited help with the housework. Oh, you don't have to hurry up. We're going to be right on time. Can someone please throw something at the TV? Thanks for doing the laundry, everyone. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Can you use your outside voice? Fight! 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 The floor of this vehicle is so clean that I can't believe it. Oh, good. Another trip to the grocery store today. Let's go. Hey, I'm going to hop in the shower. Does somebody want to come use the bathroom while I'm in here? Awesome. All right. Our kids are going to share with you this morning. Pepper's going to share a conglomeration of uh, one of those uh, tell me about your mom papers. So we did this on Wednesday night for the littlest kids and we put kind of the fun answers together. So Pepper's going to share this one with us. How old is your mom? Old enough to go to the bookstore. Mom and I like to play games, watch movies, read, snuggle, do errands together, play wipe off the kisses, go to the trampoline park, and go out to dinner. My mom likes to say, oh my gosh, I love you. You can't do that. Listen. My mom likes to drink coffee, water, I have no idea. My mom likes to eat pizza rolls, tuna sandwiches, chicken, everything. I have no idea. My mom loves to give hugs, watch movies, her family, and me. My mom is really good at being quiet, watching me, getting baby chicks, being a mom, writing, making us better when we're sick, cooking, and cleaning up. 
My mom's job is being a dentist to help dad, being in charge of cooking, taking care of me. If she had time, she would play with me and read books. My mom makes me happy when she makes me food, hugs me, and tickles me. If I could go anywhere in the world with my mom, I would go to Washington to see Grandma, Hawaii, Silverwood, just to the store to buy chicken things. I love my mom because she makes me dinner. She loves me. She likes playing with me. She watches movies with me. She's kind. She's my mom. That's pretty fun. Notice how simple a lot of that stuff was. So Zach is going to read a poem called Moments, and this is from a young adult child. A warm, ble- a warm breeze floating by in a sunny meadow. The cold splash of water on a scorched summer afternoon. Dozing off under a warm blanket with a hot drink on the coffee table. Shouting matches, playing board games on a Saturday night. Dressing up nice for a special Sunday afternoon. Crying hard after taking that corner a little too fast. Thank you, Lord, for moments like these to share with Mom. Thank you for the words that always calm the raging storm in my mind. For the tender embraces that mend my aching heart. The bright smiles, the joyful laughs that make my soul soar. Gentle hands that comfort me when the world seems to fall apart. The caring heart that pushes me to you, Lord, whenever I am lost. Thank you for every wonderful moment with Mom. All right, kids, let's stand up. We use the doxology um, for some of our worship time, so that's what we're going to help close with tonight. So everybody sing big, okay? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Follow Christine uh, down back to your classroom. Yeah, good man. So uh, what we're going to do next is we're going to take the offering. And I just will admit that I'm the most awkward pastor to have lead the offering segment. Um, So I'm just going to say give. That's why we put the children up here. You know, it's good. Like, just give. See? See the cute little kids? Just give. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Giving is an expression of worship. You guys know that. If you don't, then don't give, okay? Love you guys. Let's sing. Why don't you... uh, Actually, if you could stay stay sitting while we're doing the offering, because that makes it a little bit easier. Uh, We're going to sing, and then if you want to stand later, you can uh, after the offering goes by, okay? So let's pray, pray over the offering. Lord, we're just grateful for you, thankful for what you provide for us. We ask, God, that you would bless um, this time. Bless the, the, the offering, Lord, the gifts that you've given so graciously to us, Lord. We just want to worship you. 
by giving back. We're grateful for this morning. Thankful for what you do with these tithes and gifts and offerings, Lord. And we just pray, God, that you would just continue to help us to be faithful with what you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen.
give you this morning. Thank you so much for being our risen Savior. Thank you so much for being who we can bow down to, Lord, who we can trust in. God, we pray that you just speak through your word right now. Speak through Pastor Kerry. Thank you so much, God, for giving us truth to guide us, Lord. So we pray right now that you just do that work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So I got a question for you, men. Where would you be without your women? Lost. You women are amazing. We celebrate you all. And today is that day that we do celebrate you. We would be lost. In fact, there are many things that we, as men, lose. I often lean into my wife's estrogen homing device. I did even this morning as we were prepping here. I called Wendy up and said, where did you put the concentrated orange juice? She was in the refrigerator. I said, I looked. And she said, look again. <laughs> Guys, you ever do that? And you're like, oh, all the time. It, it, it's amazing this gift that we have been given by God. When he created man, he looked at us and he said, oh, you need help. And I'm going to take part of you from your side, not a bone out of your foot that you can walk over this one, or a bone out of your head, although we are boneheads, <laughs> that uh, she would rule over you, but from your side, that she would come alongside you to support you, to encourage you. I came across a quote that said this, never underestimate a woman who has no plan B. And that is a true statement. But for the believing woman, God is her source of well-being because by faith, she always pulls through. Never underestimate a woman of faith, the tenacity, the, the perseverance that is within that. St. Augustine once said this about faith. Faith is to believe what you do not see. The reward of this faith is to see what you believe. There is an element for the woman of faith that is so foundational, such, such a, a means by which we can be squared up because we can lean into that faith, that anchor of faith that they bring to our lives. And today as we celebrate women, especially mothers, we celebrate them and often a message that is spoken of on Mother's Day is Proverbs 31. And some of you women go, oh, really, again? Because it's interesting, the, the, the mom of King Lemuel, he said, she said, you know, look for a, a virtuous woman, a woman of great value, and this is what you want to look for, Proverbs 31. I had a woman one time tell me this and, uh, early on in ministry about sharing from Proverbs 31. And she says, please don't share from that again. And I said, well, why? It's, it, it really ascribes worth 
to women, she says, because I never measure up to it. I never feel like I can measure up. It's an unachievable goal. This industrious woman that gets up before the whole household and makes sure everything is done and, and then sells real estate and sews the clothes and all of the different things. I don't do that. I can't do that. I don't feel like I can ever measure up. I feel like a failure when people preach from that. And I took it to heart and I thought, you know, you're, you're probably right. It is a good passage to preach from. And as I prayed and considered, Lord, what can we do to celebrate that woman of faith? And the Lord brought me to a passage that really focuses on the unseen woman. In our culture... Women tend to measure themselves by the successes of other women, and then when they do so, whether it's via looks or, or something else, industry, or, or whatever the case may be, women will measure themselves and always see themselves in a poor light, as being less than, inadequate in these areas. When we measure ourselves against others, it's a dangerous thing. And so sometimes women will measure themselves to great women in the Bible. And there's some really great women of faith in the Bible. You think of Eve, the mother of all living. Sarah, the mother of the nation of Israel. Jochebed, the mother of Moses. Hannah, the mother of Samuel. Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. And Mary, the mother of Jesus. You look at all these and, and women will say, well, you know, I just don't measure up to these great women. They're named and they did great things in the Bible within this. But what about the unseen woman of faith? The unnamed woman of faith. I can tell you this, women, there are more of those than the named ones in the Bible. This room is filled with them. Those that are full of faith, that every day get up and navigate the difficulties of life. And some of life is more difficult than others. Some days are more than difficult than others. Child rearing, running the household, taking care of your man <laughs> can be difficult. My wife had four children, but she really has five. And, and, and you look at that, and, and, and there is great value in the day-to-day -day moving through and, and to honor that kind of faith. Is there a kind of faith of, of the unseen, unnamed woman in the Bible that Jesus speaks of? The obscure faith. And then the question is, God, do you really see that? God, do you really see my daily struggles? Do you really see my daily demonstrations of faith and trusting in you and the perseverance within that? And I love the fact that that woman of faith is not necessarily moved by being seen or unseen. She just continues on. But here's your assurance. Jesus does see your faith. And He sees your condition. How do we know this? Because there's a great account in the Bible in Matthew chapter 15. Your faith can be an inspiration for others. Your faith and perseverance is an inspiration of others. Your faith, though it may not ever be mentioned in the Bible or the chronicles of history is impacting the kingdom of God. Because women, you are in charge of the next generation. 
and establishing that faith within the house and partnering with your husband in raising godly children and impacting the church. Whether you have children or not, women, you have great value. And God has given to you a measure of faith to be able to enjoy. So what of this woman? Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 to 28. I'm going to ask you to stand as, as is our custom when we read Scripture. This passage we covered a number of weeks ago, but I want to go back in light of this and look at it. Matthew 15, 21 to 28. And when we take a look at this, we see that... I'm sorry, 15, uh, 21 to 28, yeah. So Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And the Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away, because she keeps shouting at us. And he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. But even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And then Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. May God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated. So what are some of the things that we see? Well, one of the things that we see is this woman was living in a land and she had a, a base level of faith. She, she lived in obscurity outside of the nation of Israel within this. And Jesus sought out this woman in this obscure place. In verse 21 it says, And Jesus went away from there, being the Galilee region, and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. He went away from the place of conflict and he went up into this, this non-Jewish territory, the Syrophoenician area in Phoenicia. It was a place of idolatry, a place that worshipped all of these idols and, and, and Gentiles. It was not a place that Jews would commonly go, about 35 miles north of Galilee and it, you know, about 60 miles from Sidon. It was in this place that Jesus went. You go, well, why did he go there? Jesus never did anything randomly. It was always with intention. He knew that he was going to meet with this woman. Why? Because she was desperate. She was desperate. She has a daughter that is demon-possessed. He needed to go to this place, this Canaanite woman, to deliver this 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 daughter that was distressed to minister to this, this Gentile woman because she was at her wit's end. Have you ever been in that place where you were at your wit's end, like you were done? I, I, I got nothing left. Where you were just spent and, and everything has been exhausted. Well, what about these Phoenician people? What made them so bad? Well, the Phoenicians were all part of the Canaanites. And if you remember early on in the nation of Israel, the Canaanite people were an idolatrous people that lived in the land far beyond the time that Israel got there. In fact, their sin was so bad 
that God said, when you go into the land, wipe everybody out. Why? Because their idolatry was so infectious, it would infect the nation of Israel and cause Israel to fall into idolatry. They didn't listen. And as a result, idolatry would infect Israel within that. But there was always a, a thought from the Jewish mindset that, that anybody that was not a Jew was a Gentile. They called them the Gentiles, and they would even term them as Gentile dogs. They were second class within this. And so within this, we understand that, that God had determined that when they went into the land, they were to be wiped out. In fact, Deuteronomy 7.1 says this, When... The Lord your God brings you into the land where you are entering to possess it and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Gersherites, the Amorites, and the Canaanites, the Pezzarites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and all the other sites. Seven nations greater and stronger than you, that they were to be wiped out and they were to be off limits within this. Why would Jesus go to a land that was off limits? To a land that as a Jew would make him ceremonially unclean. Did Jesus really care about that? No. Why? Because he was about the people. And he was about this woman. And he would travel that 35 mile trek on foot for one. What does that tell you about the heart of Christ? How far will he go to save you? To help you? to encourage you, to strengthen you. He had a divine appointment. When you look at the life of Jesus, he had many divine appointments. And he never missed a one. He was always on time. Why? Because in this Gentile woman, he saw a seed of faith. She didn't have deep theology. She didn't understand all of the ins and the outs of the Messianic kingdom and all of these things. But there was something there. And Jesus came to her because he saw that something. The great woman of faith all have a seed of faith. That little seed that is there. That little hope that they're hanging on to. It's often obscure. Hidden into that, that deepest part. And sometimes even unseen to that woman who is under great trial and great distress. Doesn't even know that she has that seed of faith until Jesus shows up. Well, we look at what ends up happening in verse 22 about this great faith. This great faith that comes out in persistence in prayer and request to God. Notice in verses 22-23 it says, The Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly and demon-possessed. But he didn't answer her. Well, the Bible doesn't tell us how she knew about Jesus. But we would guess by this time in Jesus' ministry that his reputation was throughout the land, especially in the Galilee. In the Galilee region, Jesus did 80% of all of his miracles. He was healing like crazy all throughout this land. And so the word would have traveled that there was this rabbi named Jesus. And he had great powers and great miracles that were there. She comes out with this desperate cry for help. 
And her cry is, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. Notice the two titles that she gives. She is desperate in her prayer, seeking out Jesus. She hears that, that the healer is coming. Now, why was she so desperate? Well, we know that the daughter was demon-possessed. But could you imagine the suffering that she had gone through and how many, perhaps, doctors or medical people, whatever they had in that time, that she had gone to and exhausted all of the resources medically and then to go to all the priests, the religious people, the idolatry that was going on, she'd go into their temples and say to this priest or that priest, hey, look, it, can you help my daughter spiritually? And nobody was able to help her. Think about those moms that take care of kids, that have chronic diseases and illnesses and difficulties. The heart of a mom that would continue to nurture and strengthen and look for answers. That mom that has faith that God is going to provide the solution and has no plan B because the only solution is plan A, getting this kid healed and taken care of. I give credit to you moms who take care of your kids. I, you know, having a, being a parent of, of four kids, and I, I, countless times Wendy would get up and take care of the kids when they're sick. It's like, honey, I, I need to go to work. And she would not sleep and having to, having to clean up the kids when they would have upset stomachs or they would throw up or, or the colds or the sleepless nights or the laying in the, on the floor in the bedroom next to the kids and taking temperatures and trying to break fevers. Moms, you got it. Just to be able to do that. Nobody sees that. Oh yeah, the, the dads maybe, but that perseverance. Well done in, in, in caring. This woman saw this as her only hope, her plan A. She comes to this Jewish teacher and calls him by the Messianic title. Now, meanwhile, understand, she is not Jewish. But she acknowledges Jesus as being different and better than anything that she has experienced. And what did she know? She knew him as a healer. Well, that seed of faith is starting to sprout root. Acknowledging Jesus as your Lord and your Savior is the first step, the first part where you see that seed of faith coming out. That total dependence. I'm exhausted. i got nothing left. God help. Think about how many times you've prayed for your kids. God help. Within this. And so this mother cries out, out of desperation, with her limited knowledge. And all did she want? What did she want? Mercy. Jesus, just show mercy. Show mercy. She just cries out from the depth of her being within that badly demonized daughter, demon-possessed. Can you imagine the heart of this mother watching her daughter go through this? The power had been taken from her and she was controlled by something so demonic, so, so horrible to, be, to watch her daughter go through this. And she was reaching out. And she believed that this man, I don't have all the answers, but this man has the capacity 
to bring deliverance. He's proven himself in lives of others. He has the capacity. And so she puts all of her prayer into one, into Jesus. She believed that Jesus, note in her titles, that Jesus is the son of David, that he was the true heir to the throne of David. She believed and confessed that Jesus is the promised Messiah, the deliverer of Israel, the same Israel that conquered the Canaanites, the same Yahweh God that, that removed the people from the land. She believed that this Jesus is sovereign Lord of all, including the demonic realm. And she believed that Jesus would answer her prayer because the way that she prayed was persistently. How persistently? It annoyed the disciples. She had no plan B. You get a mother praying, she's not shutting up. She is praying and praying and praying. It's not just a one-off. She continues. It's not Lord Jesus. Okay, well, I guess it ain't going to happen. No. She is persevering in prayer. But something weird happens. Jesus doesn't answer her prayer. In fact, it says here that he didn't answer her a word. How callous. How hard-hearted. What, didn't he hear? Maybe you need to yell a little bit louder. Didn't answer her word. Question. Does that fit what you know about Jesus? Is Jesus uncaring? Is Jesus not merciful? Did he not pay attention? Or was not answering the prayer part of revealing a greater faith. How many times have you prayed and heard nothing? Asked for answers and crickets. And you sought out hope and sought out deliverance and nothing happening. Does that mean that God doesn't care? Well, no, He cares. But part of the not answering is to reveal the greater faith. To reveal the greater faith to whom? Well, not to God, because He knows the potential of the faith. But to reveal the greater faith and declaration to you and to those who are around you. So that you will understand how great your faith is. It's through perseverance and prayer that greatness of faith is revealed. Think about it. If God answered everything at the whim, then God becomes a slot machine, right? Put the prayer in, pull the handle, out comes the reward. There's no great faith in that. Great faith is persevering in that faith, to continue in faith. Jesus isn't ignoring her. He's developing faith in this Gentile woman and pulling out Growing that faith right there, bringing that faith out in this woman as she has to persevere in this faith. Hebrews 11, 1 says this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. She knew about this Messiah. She knew about his capability to conquer demons. But how would it go from a head knowledge to a heart knowledge? 
through perseverance, to draw it out within this. God's silence should never be interpreted as uncaring. Only God's delay in silence should be interpreted as a testing and a preparing and a growing of faith. Lean into the silence of God with great expectation that God will answer in His timing the way that He wants to for His glory and your understanding. That's how faith that perseveres is experienced. We need to continue and persevere in prayer and in faith. So what does this mom do? She give up, go home? Oh, no. She keeps after it. Even in the face of a dismissal that's in front of her. Look at verses 23, the half part of 23 and then 24. The disciples came and implored him saying, send her away because she keeps shouting at us. And he answered and said, I, sent, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Those would be harsh words. The disciples say, go away. And Jesus said, well, you know, I really didn't come for you. How would that make you feel? How would that make you feel if, if you prayed and Jesus says, you know what? Yeah, you're, you're just not really worth it. Would that make you feel bad? You're not worth my time? You're not worth my energy? That would seem very harsh within this. But again, this is the difficulty that we wrestle with within our faith. We wrestle with these things. We wrestle with them because we know that we have great need and God has great ability to heal and to work. The disciples were bothered by the woman's cries, which makes me think about the fact that somebody that is going through adversity and... and that is the central focus of their life. Other people get tired of hearing about it. And they discredit it, don't they? Like, like you're, you're, this is what's going on. This is, this is the, the biggest thing in my life. And you share it and people go, well, you know what? And they start drifting away. Should you allow that impact you? No. Keep the main thing the main thing. Trust in God. Keep focus. Don't. I love the fact that this woman does not gauge what she determines as the work of God. She doesn't gauge it by how other people dismiss her. That she stays focused. Women, I would encourage you, do not let people dismiss you. What God has put on your heart, continue. Be focused. Be in prayer. Be persistent. And keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. And don't allow other people to dismiss you or influence you. Her faith was focused on one thing and one person, Jesus. But then Jesus steps up and also appears to be dismissive. And he says, well, I didn't come for the Gentiles, just for the Jews. In fact, he would say, I only came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Well, that was theologically correct. It was God's intention that the nation of Israel would, would be the light to the Gentiles. That the gospel would come to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. Jesus wasn't incorrect. 
But he was stating out proper theology and again under, helping her to understand that God has a plan and he's following that plan and he's drawing out this woman's faith within this. Now, we look at this and we say, well, why, Jesus, does he not care for the need? And the answer is, yes, he does care. How do we know that Jesus cared for the need? How do we know that Jesus really cares for this woman's need? Because he traveled 35 miles to go see her. He presented himself in the condition where he would meet her and to hear her request. How do you know Jesus cares for your need? Because over 2,000 years ago, he came to this earth and died on the cross for your sins. To remove the sin that separates you from God so that you can come into the throne room of grace and present your prayers and your concerns and all of these things before a holy God. Does God care about you? Absolutely yes. So don't get distracted by what you perceive as being dismissed, even if God doesn't hear your prayers or doesn't talk to you the way that you think that you need to be talked to. God's got a plan. Keep on the plan. Persevere. Keep seeking Him. This woman needed to understand who Jesus was and He's drawing her into a deeper relationship with Him. Who is the Messiah? Who is the one that is Lord of all? He's drawing her in through this conversation. Consider the conversation that Jesus had with the Samaritan woman. If you know the account, Jesus went into Samaria, another region that's in Israel, but it was in the center of Israel between Judea and Galilee, and it was a no-man's land for Jews. And he went to this Samaritan woman who was getting water by the well, midday, not a great reputation. You can read the account within this, and they had this discussion about the right place to worship and who to worship. And Jesus' comment to her was, was just amazing and John chapter 4, verse 22, it says, You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. In other words, you've got to understand, it is God's plan to save His people and through His people that the Gentiles would be saved. And so He sticks to the plan. But it would seem frustrating. Great faith is a faith that pushes through the adversity. And I love the fact that, that women of faith will push through adversity. They will see the solution, and that solution is of God. Now, there are going to be times when your faith will waver, women and men. Don't allow these other things to get you off track. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Well, the, this woman, this mother, perseveres. Verses 25 to 28. She came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. Do you notice the difference in the physical positioning of this woman? What's changed? When she first arrived, she was crying out, Lord, Son of David, have mercy. I mean, she's crying out as she's there. She's in a standing position and she's following and she's begging. But now what is she doing? Matthew says that she bowed down. That word proskuneo means to lay yourself out. 
Now, she is laying herself out in an act of worship. What's different? One was a request of need. Now this is a request, and her request has actually become an act of worship. Where she's surrendering herself fully in the condition. She was not accepting defeat, but she calls him Lord. Help me. Simple. Lays herself out. And Jesus again responds in, in, in an interesting way to this, this worship. As she's laying down, and, and he says, It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. It was a proverb that was, was thought to be said at the time. The bread being that which God provides for the nation of Israel. It's not good to take that which was provided for the nation of Israel. Jesus was doing the miracles mostly among the Jews, but he was doing it among Gentiles. But he says it's not good. It's intended to feed to the pets, using this, this term, dogs or savage dogs, within this. And what does she do? I love this. She is a woman that does not take no for an answer. What does she say? Yes, Lord. But even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from the master's table. How do we know that this woman gets it? She says, I will take what you give me. I will take what you give me. And if it's crumbs, then I'll take crumbs. This woman of faith is at this place. Where regardless of, of the adversity, regardless of the difficulty, of how hard it was, how spent she was, everything, she was done. With the exception of being fully, completely submitted to the sovereignty of Jesus in that moment. That's powerful, isn't it? God, I will take whatever you give me. Could you do that? You could pray a certain way and say, God, I am praying for this. And God, through adversity and difficulty, will take you to this place where you no longer give God a prescription. We do that often, don't we, in our prayer life? We're prescriptive. We tell God the way that it should be, right? But what does great faith do? Great faith is not prescriptive. Great faith does not give God the list and the means and the mode by which He should accomplish His will, does it? You try that, God's going to say, nope, try again. Nope, try again. Nope, try again. Until you get to the place where you are no longer prescriptive in your prayer, but you just say, help. Help. Now, now, you got it. Now, it is the faith in the substance of things hoped for. What is she hoping for? Divine intervention. In what framework? She had no clue. God, I don't know what you're going to do. But I got nothing else but you. That's why this woman's faith was so great. I don't know how you're going to do it. I'll take whatever you give me. 
I will take whatever you present within this. She gets to that place where she is on her face saying, Lord, yes. She is reverent in her prayer life. She perseveres in her prayers. And she is submissive to the will of God, whatever that will looks like. How did this Syrophoenician woman learn this? I can tell you this, she didn't learn it from the Canaanite culture. Through the process, Jesus erased all of those things and got her down to this very simple spot. Yes, Lord, whatever it is. And Jesus responds. Notice how he responds in verse 28. Then Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great. It'll be done for you as you what? Wish. As you wish. Her faith was compressed to a simple faith. What was her desire? Her desire ultimately was her daughter would be healed from the demon possession. That the demons would be cast out. That her daughter would be made whole again. Jesus knew what that request was. But he moved this woman that was outside of all the theology, all of the, the culture, all of these things, into one simple thing. Depending on Jesus as Lord and Savior for her circumstances. Which would open the door for her to understand that he truly is the Jewish Messiah, the Messiah of the world. And notice what Jesus acknowledges. Not great perseverance, not that you nagged me into doing this. What does he recognize? Great what? Faith. Great faith. We need to understand that great faith is rewarded by God. But we also have to understand what great faith is. Great faith is not prescriptive. Great faith does not demand Great faith does not create a set of conditions or hoops by which God has to jump through. Great faith is dependent upon Jesus. This woman has got great faith. She experiences great blessing. Her faith was found in obscurity. You all, men and women, everybody listening, you all have a seed of faith. God has given to every person a seed of faith who believe. And through trials and situations and circumstances, we can pray. It is through those trials and difficulties that God strips away all of the cultures, excuses, even our own personal plan and, and takes us to this place where we have nothing but just us. We are, our, our heart is laid bare before the throne of God. Where all we can do is Proskuneo, worship him and say, help within this. And then that great faith is revealed. And it's that kind of faith that impacts the world for the kingdom of God. As adults, we are all impacting the world, are we not? And there is a next generation that need to see that great faith. 
And how is that great faith demonstrated? Through adversity. And praying through adversity. And watching God work. May we impact the kingdom of God through the great faith that God brings out from us. May we look at adversity not as something to be avoided, but something to be embraced because it really brings us down to an end of self. Where at the end of the day, we can pray and God hears. Let's do that now. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for the fact that you've given to us this example of this, this woman of faith who was outside the typical uh, examples of great faith. This woman that just persevered and all she knew was that Jesus, you were the answer. And she would hang on to that truth. Regardless of the circumstances, she would not let go. The fact that, Jesus, you are the answer, the one that gives life. Lord, I would pray even now that every person, whether in this room or watching online, would be submitted to that. That, Lord Jesus, you are the answer. And that they would put their faith and trust in you. Not out of being a great theologian, but out of one simple truth. Jesus, you are the Son of God that came to us through a cross death. You paid the price for our sin and everybody that puts their faith and trust in You will be saved. We are in desperate situations. May we lean into You and have that faith rewarded. May You build into us that great faith. We thank You in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand and we'll respond with worship.
pray that you would build that faith in our life, that, that we would be built up trusting in you. Lord, I, I do pray blessing over the women of this church, women in general, in our community, and Lord, we, we want to value them greatly. Thanks for joining us in the study of God's Word with Pastor Kerry Wacker. We'd love to have you join us in person for worship each Sunday morning at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. We also meet Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. Warren Community Fellowship is located at 56523 Columbia River Highway in Warren, Oregon, between Scappoose and St. Helens. For more information about Warren Community Fellowship or about WCF Ministries, call us at 503-397-4387. And don't forget to like us on Facebook.